Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Now, this is part three. We've been in Matthew chapter six. This is really part three. We started off with with Matthew 6, 9 through 21, where it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I'm sorry. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you weren't here for that, get the tape, CD, because this all kind of fits together, all builds on each other. Listen to the podcast. But we talked about where's your bank account. We said you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead, right? We can turn earth's junk into heaven's treasure. And it's a great, great passage. Make sure you study that and listen to that. By using all that we have to glorify God and for the good of others, we can achieve that. Treasures in heaven. And to top everything off, we get heaven, we get uh, not only heaven and treasures in heaven, but we get happiness here on top of it. That's the frosting on the cake because we experience true happiness because we get the whole point. We get the joy, the fulfillment that earthly stuff can never give us because we have a relationship with God and we're, we're living for him. And, that, and so we have that real happiness. That's what the Sermon on the Mount's all about. Then we looked at, the next week we looked at Matthew 6, 22, 23, where it says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And we talked about how that was applying to materialism in finding true happiness. We talked about the eyes have it. But we saw that it's not just that, but the principle also applies to anything we put into our eyes. Whatever we let into our eyes, whatever we focus on affects our mind our, our heart, our body, our emotions, it affects everything. And it affects our whole life and all of our eternity on top of it, right? It affects everything. And then, now we come to the final verse, and I, there's one verse because there's is a lot packed in here. It says you've got to serve somebody. Or, or, and I'm going to do it the right way. You've got to serve somebody. <laughs> oh, it may be the devil. Oh, it may be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. <laughs> When Bob retires, he's already given me rights to his uh, work, and uh, they sing it much better. I, I think the worship team sing it much, much, much better. When uh, you've you got to serve somebody, Bob Dylan had a temporary conversion. I don't know where he is spiritually anymore, but he made some Christian albums, and he made some really good, that was a great song that he wrote about, about he got the point. You've got to serve somebody. You can't serve God and money, but once again, this is the context of money, but once again, it, it it applies to anything. We cannot serve God in anything else. We'll look at that in the past. So let's pray. Father, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to speak to, to us through your word and to convict us. And much more than convicting, that you would empower us and transform us and set us free from serving anybody but you. Because only by being your slave do we find true freedom. I pray everyone here would find true freedom in Jesus Christ by being your slave, your servant, and, and knowing that you're going to give us the best that we could have if we do that. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, one verse. No one can serve two masters, verse 24. Either he will hate 
the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. No one can serve two masters. And the word there for serve in English, kind of, it's hard to really bring out the, the real meaning, but it really is talking about being a slave. It's the idea of slavery, that we're actually the property. We belong to this other person. I have a friend, uh, I remember from First Baptist, his name was Ed. Some of you would even know him. He had a dog. And it was the funniest thing. This dog would only listen to him. His wife would say, move or do this. It would not. It was the funniest thing to watch. This dog would not listen. But as soon as Ed said, move, that dog would move. It would, only, it would just ignore his wife. It would only listen to him. She did not think that was funny, but he got a kick out of that. But, but that's, that dog, dog only had one master, and that was Ed. And we are the same way. We, can, we are like... That dog, we can only have one master. Either we're going to hate one and love the other or devoted to the one and despise the other. And notice when he says the other, when Jesus uses that word other, he's talking about something that's different. He's talking about something that signifies that the, the different masters are different. They are actually diametrically opposed. That's the picture that Jesus is painting to us. If two parties are hostile to each other, you cannot be friends with both. Have you ever tried to do that before? Girls, best friends, right? Best friends. And you know how girls, and I, I can't relate to this because um, I, I just can't relate to this. Guys can have more than one best friend. But you know, the best friend thing, you know, when you're in grade school, and, and remember how the, the one girl had it was, was, well, let me see if I can do this right. The, Girls, if you want to be friends with this girl, but she didn't like this girl, then you couldn't be friends with both of them. You had to pick, right? You're going to have to pick which one you're going to be friends with. And that's just the fact of life, right? And, and you, you, you have to pick. You can't be friends with both because both these other girls don't like each other. I'll put it on a way guys can understand. If you like the eagles, all right? Yeah, I'll translate this to the men now, the boys. Uh, if you like the eagles, you're an eagles fan, can you cheer for the giants? No. Oh, okay, good. Okay. Anyway, if you're a giant fan, can you cheer for the eagles? No. Okay. <laughs> all right, it's impossible, right? And, and if, 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 somebody, if, if you tell me you're an Eagles fan and I go over to your house and there's a giant, you know, banner out and giant pair, you know, fan stuff sitting everywhere, a cap and shirt, I'd say you're not an Eagles. It's impossible. You can't be, you can't like both teams. That's impossible, right? Okay. So that's the idea that Jesus is saying. If you're my fan, you can't be anybody else's fan. It's, it's me or nobody, right? And he's making his point. You, and he says you can't serve God and money. He make, once again, it's in the context of the materialism. You can't serve God and money. Notice he didn't say you can't have money. doesn't say that. But it can't have you. You see the difference? It's not saying we can't have money, but it can't have us. And, th- and this is not just limited to money. If you read the whole Bible, and even this passage brings that enough, he's not limiting, th- limiting this to only money. It could be anything. It could be a job. It could be grades. It could be goals. It could be kids. It could be sports. Anything. You can apply this to anything in our life. We cannot serve, be a slave of God in anything else. It's impossible. And so many try to do both. So many, even Christians, try to do both. But what always ends up happening? We end up serving the world. 
When we try to serve God plus anything else, we end up serving the world. It's, it's inevitable. But we can only focus on one thing. We can either focus on God or we can focus on something else. I know when I was a kid on the farm, when we had lots of cats. We probably had about 25, 30 cats at a time, always cats. And the thing that amazed us about cats, and I don't know if this is scientific. I actually tried Googling it. I couldn't find it. But farm wisdom is cats could focus because they're great hunters. Each eye could focus on something else. They could do double focus. Is that true about cats? I, farm wisdom. Anybody know? False. False. Okay. Thank you. All right. They can't. They only can focus on one thing too? All right. Rabbits. I'm going to switch to rabbits because I looked that up and I know rabbits have eyes on both sides of their, their head. But anyway, farm wisdom was we thought you could only, oh, cats could do this, but I can't. Rabbits, sides, eyes on both sides of their head so they could see things coming from both directions. Is that true? Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right, but the farm wisdom as kids, we used to try, we thought the cats could do this, and we used to always try to look at two things at once, try to be like the cats, you know? And, and you can't, humans, is that true? Humans can only look at one thing? Anybody got that? And I, I was trying to do it yesterday in the office, I was looking, and, and I was trying to like look at two different objects. I couldn't, as soon as I saw one thing, my, both eyes would shoot over. You can't do it. It's impossible. We can only focus on one thing. And spiritually, Spiritually, it's the same thing. We can only focus on one thing. James 4, 4. Remember, we were, in, we were in the book of James. And remember, we went to James chapter 4, verse 4, where it says, and some of you remember this, in James 4, 4, when he says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. We have to make a decision who are we going to be friends with. We have to make up our mind who are going to be friends. It's impossible to be friends with the world and to be friends with God. If you want to be popular, you're going to have to decide. In our society, if we want to be popular, we're going to have to decide. If we want to be popular in our culture today, we're going to have to do things and say things and act in ways that grieve the Holy Spirit. That's the bottom line. It, 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 we, if you want to be liked and accepted by our culture today, in this post-Christian culture, if you want to be a successful politician, if you want to really do this, you're going to have to grieve the Holy Spirit. It's impossible in our society to be truly popular. I'm talking about with everybody. Popular with the world, popular with the culture. It's impossible. And we have to make a decision. Are we going to be friends with the world or friends with God? What or who are we serving? It can only be God or the world, not both. Because why? They're diametrically opposed. They're diametrically opposed. One's, God says live by faith. The world says live by sight. God says humility. The world says pride. God says focus on heaven. The world says focus on earth. God says look at the unseen. The world says what's seen. God says give it away. The world says keep it. God says, be content with what, you, what I've given you. The world says, lust for more. It's the diametrically opposed. And what we're really getting at, and what Jesus is really talking about here, is idolatry. He's talking about idolatry. That's why in Ephesians 5, remember we did in the book of Ephesians a few years ago? When we're in Ephesians 5, verse 5, talking about money and covetousness and it's linked to idolatry, it says this, Ephesians 5, 5, For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, 
has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Wow, that's not politically correct, is it? Let's see, read that again. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. He says that's idolatry. You see, whatever our heart is set on, whatever we find our ultimate satisfaction from, whatever we turn to when we're down, right? Whatever we, whatever we look to for happiness, whatever we look to when we, when we want to be happy and we're looking for that good feeling, whatever we turn to, that is our God. That's our God. That's what an idol is. An idol is something that takes place of the real God, the one true God. Whatever we turn to, that's our God. Could be something, someone, could be anything. I remember my dad telling me the story about one of our relatives who's now passed away. And he was witnessing to one of my uncles. It was an uncle. And he was trying to tell him about Jesus and try to you know, lead him to Christ. And, and I'll never forget, my dad said, but when I was trying to witness to him, and this was when I was older, he was telling me the story. He said, when I was trying to witness to him, he pointed to his firstborn son who was just born, a new baby. It was my cousin. He said, this is my God. This is my God. See, for him, his son, his firstborn son, was his God. He was disappointed in that God. I won't go into the details. <laughs> that was no, not much of a God, believe me. But, but isn't that sad? But how many of us do the same thing? We make something or someone on earth our God. Now, I'm not saying that we, we're not saying we can't have anything, just like we talk about the money, but nothing can have us. See the difference? Not saying we can't use anything, but nothing can use us. That's what, that's what he's getting at here. Uh, I'm going to look at, I'm going to do a verse out of order. Uh, Zan, could you click on the 1 Corinthians 7 verse? 1 Corinthians 7, 29 to 30. I think I gave you that for you later, but I, I, just, I just think it really fits here. The, the, the idea of what Jesus is talking about. In 1 Corinthians 7, I'll just read 29 to 31. I just want to highlight a couple things out of this that is, is what I'm talking about. How we can have something, but it can't have us. In 1 Corinthians seven twenty nine, it says, uh, What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. Okay, the time is short. From now on, those who have... Uh, I'm not getting into the whole part of the wives and, and the blah, 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 blah. All right, I'm skipping over that one. Right. Those who buy something... See that? Those who buy something, I'm not going to get into the wife thing because that's a whole other sermon. Right? But anyway, those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them, for the world in its present form is passing away. Those who buy something as if, we can buy something, but we've got to keep the perspective. It's not ours to keep. We can use the things of the world, but we're not obsessed by them, engrossed by them, obsessed by them, okay? Uh, that, 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 that's the picture of what he's talking about. We can, have, we can buy something, but it can't buy us. We can have something, but it can't have us. That's the whole picture. And even the wife part that I left out, he was saying that shouldn't be the focus because they were under, actually under persecution from the emperor, and it's a whole other sermon. But that they shouldn't be focused and let that keep them from doing what God was calling them to do. That was the picture there, okay? Uh, does something or someone have me? Does it have my heart? Here's the test. Give it up. Give it up. 
when I have discussions with, uh, as you know, in, a lot of teenagers use drugs now and they smoke pot. It's a, not everybody, but a lot of them do. It's, it's like smoking cigarettes to a lot of teens. And when I have discussions with that age group, the teenagers, and I say to them, you know, you're, you're addicted to this. It's addicting. It's not addicting. I said, well, and then stop, and stop smoking it. I could. I didn't do it. I, I, I'm not, I, I can quit any time. Then do it. Prove it. I don't want to. Well, just prove it that you're not addicted. Stop for a month. They never can. Because they're, they're addicted. And they're taken over by it. And that is just a, a physical picture of what happens to us spiritually. When something has us, we don't see it. We think we can give it up. It's no big deal. Other people can see it. Other people can see the struggles that we have and the problems that we have, and we can't see it. That's a sign that it's an idol. Give it up. Or how do we respond when God takes it away? Sometimes if we don't give something up that's an idol, God takes it away. How do we respond? See, that's a, that's a test of an idol. If God takes something from us, if we're disappointed, just disappointed and we get over it, that's not an idol. But if we get depressed and get really down about it and it's crushing to us, that's a sign of idolatry. That's what it's a picture of. When we get, you, you see the difference? Your team loses a Super Bowl. I'll use something silly. Although for some it's not silly. All right, your team loses a Super Bowl. If you're dis- disappointed and you're over it by the next dates, that's not an idol. But if you're crushed and down and, you know, life just doesn't go on because your team, you know. You, know, see, you see, that that is a sign of an idol, idol. Put that in on anything. A life goal, a job, a relationship, uh, you know, kids, anything. You know, anything. Are we, if we lose our faith and crash over something, guess what that was? An idol. I know of a guy I used to minister to. And he was a, a, a great athlete. And he was going to go division one in the sport and probably going to go wanted to go pro it was a big deal then he gets hurt doesn't get to go to college for that he he as a result turned to drugs and became a severe drug addict and it destroyed the rest of his life he's still destroyed as far as i know why he was a christian what happened that sport was an idol to him his goal was an idol and when he didn't get it he got mad at god See, you see what happened? I know another guy, kid, I remember in the youth group a long time ago. He was dating somebody. Really fell in love with this girl in the youth group. Senior in high school. She breaks up, finds another guy, breaks up with him. This kid was a strong, looked like a very strong Christian. Really, really doing well. But you know what happened? He blew out. The last kid you would ever expect to just like totally bug out spiritually. But he got so mad. He just dropped the whole Christianity thing. He ended up coming back later, but this did damage to his life for years and years. All because a girl broke up with him. What was that girl? His God. And so we end up, that was their God, and so we end up turning our back on the real God because he takes away the fake God. And he's really doing us a favor. And it's okay to be disappointed. We all have desires and, and goals and we things we like and it's okay to be disappointed nothing wrong but if we get depressed and crushed and turn our back on god that's that's an idol that that's an idol 
How would we respond? And here's the thing. Idols can never make us truly happy. God's doing us a favor. They can never make us truly happy. Money can never make us truly happy. I saw an article in the Intel a couple years back by uh, Eric Tyson wrote a finance article. He says, the link between money and happiness. Now get this. A lot of research, uh, there's been a lot of research on examining the link between affluence and happiness, having a lot of money and happiness, right? They did a study, a thousand people in 13 different countries. They found out, get this, they found out that having more money in and of itself did not increase people's happiness or problems. It did not increase people's happiness or cause problems. You get that? The the obsessive pursuit of wealth and the adoption of money as one's primary motivator, however, led to psychological unhappiness, severe depression, anxiety, and other problems, including a far higher incidence of alcohol, drug, and tobacco abuse. It was the obsessive pursuit of wealth and the adoption of money as one's primary motivation. The results consistently came to the conclusion that materialistic people were less happy and satisfied with life and that they also reported more distress. Thus, the more people buy into the message of consumer society, the lower their levels of personal well-being and the higher their levels of distress. Once, now, once you, and this is the conclusion, once you get past the poverty level, there's no correlation between increased wealth and greater happiness. If anything, it's quite the reverse. They could have saved a lot of time and money. Just read Matthew 6, 19 to 24. It's exactly what Jesus is saying. They don't make us happy. The only thing that can make us happy is a close relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ. That's only Jesus Christ can fulfill us. That's what this whole Sermon on the Mount is all about. Blessed are the blessed are the blessed are the happy. Happy. Truly happy. Having that joy that that we can have through Jesus Christ. Only that relationship. But we have to decide. We must decide. What will we look to for meaning in life? Who will we follow? Because everybody's got to serve somebody. Everyone. It's this decision, who are you going to serve? It's either, whether we realize it or not, we, we have to serve somebody. Many say, I want to be free. I want to be free to be me, to do my thing. But they're deceived because everybody, the people who think they're living free, they're, they're deceived. They're serving somebody. And Bob Dylan said it so well. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. In fact, we know if you're not following God, Ephesians 2. We looked at that last week. Remember Ephesians 2? Where he says, as for you, this is all of us before we put our faith in Christ. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Who, If we don't follow God, who would we follow? We follow the world and Satan. That's who we're following. And and so many think, well, I'm living free. I can do what I want. We're living free. That's a lie. Nobody's free. We're either a slave to God or we're a slave to Satan and the lust and the flesh and all the garbage. And people who say they're living free, they're just going to live free and do their thing. It's just a total lie. In fact, in 2 Peter 2.19, 
Peter says in, in verse 19, he says, they promise them freedom, while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. The sexual revolution and the drug you know, revolution and live free, do whatever you want, you are free. That is a lie. They're not free. Peter says they're slaves of depravity. They're addicted. They can't have healthy relationships. They can't, we can't, if we're living that way, we can't have healthy relationships. We can't live a, a real full life because we're looking through, through the smoke of our, what we're smoking. You know, the, we're looking through the haze of the smoke, whatever we're smoking. We, it's a lie. You're not free. I tell people that you're not free. You're addicted. You're addicted to drugs. You're addicted to sex. You're addicted to food. You're, addicted, you're, you're being destroyed and you can't see it. Because you're a slave. It's a lie. Maybe you're here today and you realize that you are a slave. A slave to sin. A slave to the world. A slave to self. But you can be free today. You can be free today because Jesus came to set us free. In fact, in John 8, 36, it says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free Indeed, when we come to Christ and his death on that cross and we repent of our old life, all the sin, all the garbage, all the addictions, all, all, anything that goes against God's word, we repent of that. We say, God, I don't want that anymore. I repent of that. I turn away from that. I ask you to forgive me. And I come to Christ on that cross for his blood to wash me clean. And I put my faith in him to make me a brand new person. We are free at that time. When we give our life to him, we are free in Jesus Christ. And after we do that as Christians, we're free. But you better believe you've got to fight for your freedom. Just like when the slaves were set free after the Civil War, look what happened. The Ku Klux Klan and the sharecropping. And, and they kept trying to take them, make them slaves again. And they had to fight for their freedom. And the same thing happens for us. We are set free by Jesus Christ, but we have to fight for our freedom. In John chapter 8, 36, I already said, so if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. But if you back up a couple of verses, it says, Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We have to hold to his teaching. We have to take his word, and whatever it says, we've got to say, even though I don't feel like it, even though I don't feel this, even though I'm tempted to do this, my body and my mind and my emotions are saying do this i'm not going to listen the word of god says the opposite i'm going to follow it if we hold to his teaching then we will know the truth after we take that step then we will know the truth and the truth will set us free everybody says well first i want to see it all laid out for me no we take the step of faith by obeying god's word and a lot of you experience this right remember when you first started taking steps of faith to fight something that was very tempting or, or hard and it didn't make any sense to our mind because the world had squeezed our mind into its mold and it didn't make any sense to our emotions because we had conditioned our emotions to act a certain way for 20 30 years and it didn't make it everything in us was screaming no but by faith we took those steps and we started to live the way God told us to live. And all of a sudden, it made sense. We had a new happiness, a new fulfillment, a new joy. We had healthy relationships, healthy marriage. All those things that happened after we took that step of faith. But it's a, it's a battle. 
It's a battle to do. It's a daily battle to say, God, I believe your word. I'm not going to listen to the world. I'm not going to listen to Satan. I'm not going to listen to my flesh. I'm not going to listen to my mind that's messed up. I'm going to let you renew me. I'm going to let you renew my mind. I'm going to let you transform my body and my emotions, my heart. I'm going to let you do that. It's a daily, daily battle. Who are we going to serve? Who are we going to be slaves to? Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, maybe you're fighting a battle right now. Maybe you've even given up in this battle. You've surrendered. (laughs) But Jesus' promise is for us today. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. By grace, turn to God and ask for his mercy and grace. God, I need your mercy and grace in this area of my life. I don't feel it, but I'm going to believe it. I'm going to act on my, on my belief. I'm going to put my faith in what you say. Whatever area, God, whatever area the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about right now, surrender that to him and, and turn to God and ask for his mercy and grace to be set free. Maybe it's a temptation. Maybe it's a way of thinking. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe your prayer is, God, I'm going to talk to somebody about my struggle. Maybe you've been fighting a battle and you're ashamed or given up or you know you need someone to talk to and maybe your commitment is to talk to another Christian brother or sister. Christian counselor, talk to me, I'll steer you in the right direction. I'll talk to you. I'll steer you in the right direction. Whatever it is, we all struggle with the same things. We're here for each other. We can help each other. But it takes that humbling and to share it with someone. While we're praying, maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You're still a slave to sin, still a slave to the world, still a slave to Satan, and you know it. But you can be set free right now, today, by making yourself a slave of Jesus Christ. Surrendering to him. Right where you're sitting, just a prayer of faith. God, I I repent of my sin. I repent of everything in my life that goes against your word. I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. What he did for me on that cross, I'm putting my faith in him and I'm giving my life to Jesus. If you've taken that step of faith, I'm going to encourage you to let me know. Let somebody know here. Maybe you have a friend or family member. Let somebody know or let me know. Fill out the card. Stick it in the box. Text me, email, whatever it takes. Just let me know so I can pray for you and encourage you. Father, we know that your spirit speaking to us all about something. We just pray for your mercy and grace to change our hearts, to heal us, to renew our minds. Give us the grace to persevere, 
to take these baby steps, a step at a time, a step of faith at a time. We just pray for extra, extra grace and extra healing and extra mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.